So this morning we're going to continue our series. We're actually going to finish our series uh, called Freedom. We, we uh, had a, had a three-week series across this season of freedom, starting with, uh, starting with Juneteenth, going through the 4th of July, and now we conclude uh, this week. We have talked about what it means to be truly free, what freedom actually looks like, not what national freedom looks like, but what spiritual and personal freedom looks like. And so we started um, by talking about the fact that we were destined for death and destruction. God created everything perfect. It was all good. Everything was beautiful, perfect, and, and existing in full harmony, but then things got thrown off. We messed it up as we tend to do now. And so we now are stand in need of a savior. And we were destined, standing against God's law. We were destined for death and destruction. But praise be to God that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to not, but to, but to change the trajectory of our destiny. And to say, you don't have to be on that path anymore. Now, there is this other way. There's this new life. There's this new life if you follow the spirit that your destiny will lead you to something greater. Now, Christ saved us and set us on a new course. Last week, uh, Rachel talked about how Christ frees our hearts. As many of us um, have been through uh, all types of uh, traumatic experiences and, and, and whatever else we've gone through, we have built these walls around our hearts. We have prevented our hearts from being allowed to, to freely give and express love. And these things, these things are natural byproducts of the things that we've been through. But the message we received last week is because of Christ, we now have been given more. Jesus loves relentlessly. Jesus shows grace relentlessly. Therefore, we can tear down those walls and we can also show love relentlessly. We can show grace relentlessly. Our hearts have been freed to do so. And now, lastly, this morning, concluding our series and also concluding Romans chapter 7, where we've been in for the last few weeks, we are talking about how Christ frees our mind. We'll be talking about the battle that takes place in all of our minds. And if you don't readily uh, know what I'm talking about already, that's okay. You will because I think we all have, we all have battles in our minds. We all have, we all have uh, wars that are going on inside of our brain. Should I? Shouldn't I? Could I? Couldn't I? Is this right? Is this wrong? What have you? That's so true. What I love so much about being a parent is my kids, my, my daughters are, are three and two. Sarah's three, Kaylee is two. And what I love so much about being a parent is that I get to watch them, like they're in this like pure, unfiltered state where like I feel like I can, this is going to sound like an oxymoron, but I, can, I feel like I can physically see their thought process. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I can, like, physically see it. They're also, unfortunately, in this phase where they like to, like, smack people. And that irritates me. And so when one of the girls smacks somebody, and it's never, like, like a tap. It's always, like, full wind back and, like, slap. And the thing that's really irritating is, like, Kaylee is, like, this tall. So when she winds up, She's this tall. And so I'll yell at him like, girls, we don't hit people. 
And so the next time they go to do it, I feel like you can see them think about it. Their like hand starts to go up. And they're thinking about it like, last time I did this, I got yelled at. I shouldn't do this, but I really want to. And most of the time, that's enough to stop Sarah. Sarah cares deeply about people's hearts and feelings, and so she'll stop. But Kaylee is all of us, so she's going to smack you anyway. <laughs> we all have battles that go on in our own minds. I love watching theirs and playfully pretending like I, my own don't exist. Unfortunately, oftentimes, the war that goes on in our minds lead us to make regrettable decisions. But the good news for us this morning is Jesus came to free us from those mental battles. Jesus came to clear our minds and not just for our own personal sanity's sake. Amen? Amen. All right, if you would, turn with me. Let's get into the text. This is Romans. We're finishing up, finishing up the seventh chapter. Romans is in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. It's written by the Apostle Paul. We'll be in the seventh chapter, which is like when you're scrolling through Romans, it's like the big number seven. And we're going to pick up where the little number, that's the verse, the little number 21 begins. If you have it, say amen. If you, if you have your electronic device and you feel like you can fight the temptation of the devil to stay off of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and or Snapchat, say amen. amen. And for the rest of you, it's up on the screen. Here we go. Paul writes this, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Amen? I love God's law with all of my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that still exists within me. Verse 24, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Rule number one of how we read scripture. Where my, where's my hermeneutics class at? I know they're in here. What's rule, what's rule number one? What is it? Context is everything. Context is everything. Shout out to Dr. Nicholson who instilled that in me from day one. Context is everything. We must first consider who is writing. When you consider the Apostle Paul, the gospel globetrotter, if you will, the man, the myth, the legend, the dude who like wrote most of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, low-key, nope, high-key is a big deal. And here, he's the one that's saying, what a miserable person I am. Man, I feel terrible. These voices in my head are too, too, too much. We must consider who Paul was. Paul was a zealot. 
which as Rachel explained last week, that means Paul went after it. He like had this thing which I appreciate about him. He was, he had such an extremist personality where he was like all in or all out with something. And when he was all out with Christianity, he was so far out that he was willing to go to the extent of tracking Christians down, looking, hunting people down who believed in Jesus and arresting them, throwing them in jail and sometimes worse. That was his mindset. I hate people who go against the law. I hate people who believe in Jesus. I cannot stand this. And then one day has this wild experience where he literally gets knocked off of his high horse and everything changes. Now he's all in with Jesus. Now he's going to track down people, not who believe, but who don't believe, to be like, yo, you need to believe because this crazy thing happened to me where, long story short, you need to believe and now he's all in with that. But imagine, imagine the mental torment he must have been going through being so extreme. Imagine he would go after people who believed in Christ. Now he's all in for Christ. And I'm sure on a daily basis, that old voice crept back in. That old self started whispering in his ear. The devil would remind him of who he used to be. Come on, Paul. This whole Jesus thing, that doesn't make sense. You mean to tell me that somebody was crucified? Somebody was so brutally murdered and like was dead for like a solid three days. And then you're going to tell me that that man turned around and got back up. You're going to tell me that something you believe so strongly in now, you're on the opposite side? Remember, you hated those guys. And now you want to eat with them? Now you want to go into business with them? You want to travel with them? What happened to you? This is crazy. And here we see Paul saying, I love God. I love God with all my heart. I'm desperately just trying to do what I know to be the right thing. But, ah, see these voices, man. There's these things at war in my mind. And for so long it was this way. So it's hard for me not to think this way. It's hard for me to like wrap my head around like now it's actually like the opposite. It's actually this way. What a miserable person I am. I can't. Take the battle in my head because when there's a battle in my head over and over for so many instances, I feel like I just choose the wrong thing. This guy has been arrested and literally in chains, but he writes that the chains he feels on his mind are what make him so miserable. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever been a mind in torment? See, our minds have been under attack by the father of lies since the beginning. This ain't no new trick. You're not, your problem is not unique. You are not the only one. I promise, let me repeat that for all of you suffering mentally in here. You are not the only one. This is something that's been going down since the beginning. Let me turn you to Genesis chapter 3. We read it about a month ago. The father of lies has been whispering in our ears and playing tricks on our minds since the very beginning of time. Amen. Yes, sir. Satan tried to go at Eve. Eve, remember? 
Is that actually what God said? Let me, let me, let me change a few words. Let me change a few ten- tenses. Let me, let me get at this a little bit. And then all of a sudden, him changing God's words leads to Eve saying, no, 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 that's not what he said. And then she adds to God's words. And now everybody's confused and you know the rest. This is not new. Since then, we have been hearing whispers that we are incapable, that we are unfit, that we are not good enough. And so we genuinely love God, but we have allowed too many other things to influence our minds. We've allowed too many other things to inform our brains how we should think, how we should look, how we should look the other way. You know what I'm saying? And I think this is kind of a, this is kind of a side note. This part's for free, but I believe that part of the problem is we deem certain things as like not bad. And because we deem them as not bad, we mistake not bad for good. See what I did there? So, 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 so because we, we listen to a song or we watch a TV show or we do something and we're like, well, it's not bad, then by default, it's good. But just because something is not bad doesn't make it good. Just ask my body. That shouldn't have been that funny. The stuff I eat, the stuff I eat is not bad. Like the stuff itself, like a burger is not bad. A taco is not bad. What I eat is not bad. It's more like where I get it from and what time of day I choose to do it. That's bad. First Corinthians tells us that everything is lawful, but not everything is helpful. Yeah, you can eat that taco, but do you need to get it from there? And does it need to be at 11 at night? He said, well, I just lost everybody. I'm sorry. I got to try and get you back. So what is the answer? Where is the end in sight? When will I no longer hear the voices in my head? When will I no longer debate right and wrong? When will I... When will my voice just, or when will my brain just like be peaceful? For that, we've got to keep reading. We'll start in verse 25. And then I don't like the way it's divided right here because I feel like it's all one breath. I feel like we need to keep going. Remember when scripture was written, these chapters weren't divided up like this. So all the time we don't need to pay attention to it. It's more just for reference. So we're going to go, we're going to finish chapter seven. We're going to kick right into chapter eight. Here we go. Verse 25 and let's keep moving. It says, thank God. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit, the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Let's keep going. 
The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control. Let me say it again. God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And let's go one more verse. Verse 4. He did this so that... Hermeneutic class, shout out, so that, therefore, the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. And I love it when Scripture can just preach itself. So why do we feel this way? Why do we think this way? See, we have been justified, but our salvation is a process. We have achieved justification, but sanctification is a process. Let me say it another way. We have been declared not guilty, but the idea of us becoming a person that looks, sounds, acts, and thinks like Christ, that's a process. It takes some time. But the encouragement there is Philippians chapter 1, which Paul also wrote, tells us that he who began a good work in you will continue to perfect it until the day of Christ's return. Our minds have been freed just as Paul's had been freed. It takes a little while to get used to, and it's a process getting our mind to not just believe every voice that pops in our head. It takes some time. It takes a while to get used to the, to the message that there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. What does that sentence alone mean for your mind? There is no condemnation. It takes a while to get used to the fact that Jesus does not want us to feel guilt, shame, and embarrassment. That that little prick in our spirit, that little other voice in our head that's telling us not to is actually the Holy Spirit trying to get our attention. Not somebody who's trying to like confuse you and mislead you. It takes time. Jesus does not want our minds weighed down with other voices or concerns. He's got other plans for our minds. See, we experience these battles, and believers, I'm talking specifically to you, we experience these battles because you're going to hate me for this because I'm going to sound like your dad, but we know better. We have these battles because we have Christ. We have these battles because the Holy Ghost is like, nope, wrong choice. And we're like, nah, it's not that bad. And the Holy Ghost is like, no, 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 yes it is. And we're like, no, but no, it's literally not bad, Holy Ghost. You don't understand. It's not that bad. And the Holy Ghost is like, yeah, but I know where it goes. I'm part God. Tell me about it. We have these battles in our minds because we know better. But it doesn't mean that it's gotten any easier to do what is right. For the sake of our minds, our goal now should be to stay focused on the truth. Stay focused on things that are right. Stay focused on things that we know are correct. Philippians chapter 4 tells us, do not be anxious about anything. I'm coming back to that. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace. When? When you thank him for what he has done. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. 
as you live in Christ Jesus. Then skip down a little bit and it says, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Stop being so anxious. Oh, easy for you to say. Actually, it's not. It is very difficult to just, quote, stop being anxious. Paul does not, by any means, take that statement lighthearted. It's not like he's throwing away those of us who suffer from anxiety. It's not like he's just saying, like, well, stop that. He understands the complexity of what's going on. Moreover, God understands the complexity of what is going on. But this is why Paul says, instead, meaning move that over and in its place, put something else. When you're lost and don't know what to think, you're mentally tripping over some small stuff, focus on what you know to be true about God. Then thank him for those things and stop trying to figure it out. When you're feeling insecure and you can't find something you physically like about yourself, remember that God made you perfect. God made you beautiful. Thank him for it and move on. When you keep remembering the names that other people have called you and how horrible it are, and you've begun to convince yourself that that really is how people see you and that really is who you are, remember that God gives you your name. Not some kid on the playground. Thank him for it and move on. When you keep kicking yourself for falling into the same trap over and over and over and over and over and over, remember that God has already forgiven you. Thank him for it and move on. And we need to remember to keep our minds and thoughts plugged in to what is true, honorable, etc. That whole list. Don't keep playing the same song over and over in your headphones and then try and tell me that you don't think that way. Change the song. These are the things we weigh our minds down with. And that's what Satan wants. Like, y'all hear that? That's what the enemy wants. We are playing into the enemy's strategy. His strategy in the Garden of Eden was to attack the mind and twist up some words and get us second guessing. And check this, Satan won that battle. We're gonna give him that one because we serve a God that won the war. And so we don't have to let the enemy's mind games continue. So what, pastor? So what? The truth that I want all of us to walk out with this morning is that God has freed our minds from the lies of the enemy. And he wants our minds to be free. He doesn't want these things weighing down on us. Not because he wants us to be physically and mentally at peace all the time until he comes back. Just rest here, child. That's not what he says. Jesus says what? He says, hey, wake up, get up, go. Jesus has plans for our mind. 
He wants the war to be at rest so he can talk to your brain. He wants to give you visions. He wants to give you dreams. He wants to give you prophecies. He wants to give you ideas. He wants to speak to your mind. He wants your mind to go a million miles an hour. And he wants that to impact how fast your legs and your hands move. He wants you to go. He wants you to chase after what he has placed in your mind. Not what the enemy tells you. He wants you to dream big dreams. And when the world tells you, you can't do that. You're just a young white boy from Canal Fulton. You say, in Jesus' name, get out. Because God wants his people to dream. It says so all throughout the Old Testament. It says so in Acts. Acts chapter 2 tells us that when the Holy Spirit falls and we receive the Spirit, God's people will dream dreams. They'll see visions. God wants to put ideas in your head. He wants you to go after these dreams. And when the world tells us it's crazy, the Lord tells us when he inspires it, nothing is impossible. But he can't do that if our minds are weighed down with this other stuff. What's your dream? What's your dream? What's the vision that God has placed in your mind? And who says you can't? What's the constant battle you keep going back to in your mind? For me, if I'm being honest, I have like this weird thing that happens where I have a hard time believing in the way that God uses me, like myself. I have a hard time believing that God, like when I get, because the way that God has made my mind is when I encounter, when I encounter a problem, I instantly feel like, uh, uh, like, like I like dream of this like big, beautiful, collaborative solution. It's called a pioneer. Like, that's like, that's like what I do. I just, I just have ideas and just, they're, a lot of times, sometimes they are crazy, but sometimes they're not crazy. But then I get convinced that like, oh, I, I can't do that. Or that's not me. He wouldn't use me to do that. And so I belittle what God is capable of doing even in myself. What's the battle that keeps coming to your mind? What does the enemy keep trying to convince you of? What have you convinced yourself is not that bad? And it has taken up the place where God wants to put something good. This morning, I want this to be the morning where we free our minds. I want this to be the morning where we stop letting the enemy hold us back. Where we stop letting the devil win the mind game. Where we stop falling into the tricks and the tactics that happened inside of our heads. But instead, we release those chains as we have been given authority to do through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. We release those things off of our minds and we allow God to inform our dreams. We allow God to inform our ideas, our visions. This, let this be the morning where it all stops for you. In just a minute, I'm gonna have people move around the room. And if you are an individual 
who are currently suffering from a battle in your mind, even if you don't want to acknowledge it or don't want somebody else to know about it, I want you to go to somebody and let them pray for you. I don't feel like that's a lot to ask, but the result can be eternal. Y'all catch that? If you are somebody who has a weighty mind, there's just a lot going on up there and you don't know what voice you should listen to or rather you do, but I don't know, you just keep doing something else, go pray with somebody. If you're somebody who God has given a dream or a vision, even if you think it's crazy and it didn't come from God, it probably did and you're not crazy and he really did place that on your mind because it's you who's gonna do it. Go pray with somebody, please. And if you're somebody who like sees names, Go pray with that person. Even if you're not somebody that I call out to pray with other people, move about the cabin. This is a free time, a free space. I want us to experience as a body of Christ the freedom of our minds. I don't want anyone to be able to say that Third Street Community Church lost the mental game. I don't want anyone to be able to say, I don't want to get to heaven and Jesus say, well, your church could have done this, but y'all kept thinking this. I don't want that to be the thing. I want to go after it. There's too much going on in our cities to let some long only time and some mind games be what trips us up and not lets us get after it. It's too much. Let this be the morning where that goes by the wayside. 